you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Welcome aboard. We are more committed to your safety than ever. And that's why we'd like you to pay careful attention to this important safety information. First, please make sure that your seatbelt is securely fastened. Seatbelts can be purchased for $5. To fasten, insert the metal fitting into the buckle and tighten the buckle by pulling the loose end away from you. To release, purchase a release flap for $7. Now I know what you're thinking. We've never paid for seatbelts before. Once we've reached our cruising altitude, your flight attendant may or may not go down the aisle with snacks. If she chooses to, each passenger will be given a single peanut. <laughs> Lavatories are located at the front and the rear of the airport. Please take a moment to look at your safety pamphlet. The charge for looking at this pamphlet is $3. The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly is $4. Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. Place the mask over your nose and mouth, and to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant $75.63. <laughs> As always, exact change is appreciated. Now I know that some of you are still concerned about getting there safely. Enjoy your flight. And now... Hey, Rocky! Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat! Again? Button up my sleeve! Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey there, this is John Oates, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars Number Show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see me live here in the studio. And don't forget, if you missed any of our past uh, shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, where you can hear all those past shows that we've done over the last, yes, going on nine and a half years. 
and counting. Ten years is coming up. Um, anyway, I'm sitting here with my buddy uh, IG. IG, how you doing there, buddy? Real good, Rob. Thanks. And no, you need to talk in the mic. That's what that thing is, right? Oh, that's that what that, that is. That's what hey, that is. That, right. Speaking of my microphone, as they say. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway uh, yeah, I played that little clip there about the airlines because IG actually used to work for didn't, which airlines? Continental. Did you? Continental. Okay, so they're, they're at least a, you know, they're a, a decent airline, but uh, used to be. Used to be. Yeah. All right. Now, now they've merged to United. Okay, well, we did a play on this thing here, this uh, stewardess thingy here, and uh, oh, excuse me, flight attendant dingy. Because I've had such a wonderful experience on Spirit. I'm going to have to say this again. They suck. They really do. Spirit Airlines, don't ever fly them. They're terrible. What are they going to do to me? You know, I'm. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I just discovered something the other day. If you're a public figure, I'm immune from, you know, making those kind of comments and stuff like that. So they can't really do anything to me. But the fact of the matter is, they suck. <laughs> you know, charging you for water, charging you for water. Uh, extremely rude. Nickel and diamond. This is what's, you know, the whole industry is just going, you know, and I've been flying a lot lately because I have to travel here and there. I go do stuff, you know, car-related stuff, appraisals and things of that nature. So, um, and flying is just not fun anymore. I will say this, that Delta has very comfortable seats. American, Continental, and United actually have some pretty decent seats. Southwest isn't really bad. I've been on Southwest here within the last year. But Spirit, they even paint it yellow. So it looks like a bus. You talk about, and of course, you know, I'm a troublemaker anyway, so you know, all the troublemakers sit on the back of the bus, and I was on the back of the bus, and the seats are like bus seats. They do not recline. It's like a piece of plastic with a, it reminds me of those old cheap racing seats you'd buy at Automotive Engineering or someplace like that, or out of a J.C. Whitney catalog or someplace like that. They're just so nasty and firm. They don't move. Of course, they tell you that they're ergonomically correct. Uh-huh. But the debate's out on that, too. They got a, just a little a little slant to them, you know. But other than that, they're terrible. I mean, they don't recline, and they're just stationary, and they're, there's no no material there to cushion the bumpy ride because it's just a miserable flight. You know how it is when you fly. You know, you do hit some bumps. It's a cattle call. It's a cattle call. It's exactly what it is. It's a miserable flight. So, Spirit, you suck. You really do. In fact, one of these days, maybe their uh, their CEO might actually call me. And, uh, you know, we're going to have this debate. And then what I'm, the only way I would even compensate them and not say anything bad about them anymore, because you know how you have these celebrities and these people on radio or in, in news or media or whatever, you know, they rant about something. Well, I, my rant is going to be Spirit Airlines because I am just absolutely disgusted with them. I could say something about rental car agencies, but I haven't had too much bad luck. But Spirit, they suck. Frontier, at least they don't charge you for water. They got the same miserable seats. But the staff is much more polite, so I will say that. But Spirit, now I have not been on JetBlue, and what did you say, JetBlue got in trouble today or something like that, or what uh, happened? Actually, yeah, there was a security breach, and uh, somebody got right through the security and into the cargo hold of one of the jets. Well, that's not good, because you used to not work at, at the all. airlines, and that's not exactly a cool thing to do, <laughs> is it? Not at all. <laughs> a security breach, that's nice to know. Yeah, and I used to fly all the time back and forth out of Boston Logan Airport where this happened. Oh, really? Yeah. Boston Logan? Is that, is that Boston, Massachusetts? Boston, that Massachusetts. So Logan from Air. there back down to Tampa here, one of those flights? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, um, what I would uh, – uh, oh, yeah, well, the whole spirit thing started because a couple of weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, I was up in uh, Chicago, and I was at the Muscle Car National – Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. And, again, we'll talk about that next week because i got a very special guest coming on in uh, next week. 
But we also have a very special guest coming on tonight, and uh, a well-known celebrity musician with an amazing voice, right out of the 60s. He had some pretty good hit songs, and I remember a couple of them. Uh, they're on the tip of my tongue. We didn't play any of them tonight because we're going to talk about it, but this gentleman is going to be in concert this weekend here in our own backyard in Clearwater. So we're looking forward to having this gentleman on. Uh, let's see. Music. Well, you're not a musician, are you? Not yet. Not but you listen to radio, and you listen to old music. Okay, well, see, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, what else can we talk about? Uh, can't get the spirit air thing out of my mind. I'm just uh, But we anyway. we got to move forward, Rob. Move, Come gotta, on. Gotta, yeah, got gotta, 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 gotta deal with my demons. My demons, my demons. But anyway, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'd rather drive across the United States in a nice plush rental car than fly Spirit Airlines. I'd rather paddle from here across the Atlantic in a kayak than fly Spirit. It goes on and on and on. Now, who used to do it? Johnny Carson used to do that. Uh, all the comedians, you know, late night. Uh, uh, what's that other guy's name? Um, 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 oh, Letterman. What was his first name? David Letterman. David, yeah. They also do that. Okay, so i got to get off that. Let's talk about music. So uh, it's it's it, the, the nice thing is is the weather's been great lately, so it's really oh, it's wonderful for uh, outdoor venues, and um, so anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do we're going to take a break here because it's a bit early. I want to get my guest on because this guy's a fascinating person. So Tommy, what do you got uh, on the turntable there? Since my last flight a while back, I was coming from Arizona. <laughs> Uh, we're going to play a little Paul Revere and the Raiders because uh, Mark Lindsay used to be one of the lead singers for the Raiders, and uh, he's going to be here this weekend as well. So here's a little Arizona. And don't fly Spirit Airlines. Not even Arizona. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgia Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back once we land. And all you can do is laugh at her. Brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com.
Okay. Oh, is that my cue to uh, come back? What was that? Hey. Oh, we're back. Uh, are we live, Tommy? <laughs> Tommy's in there. Hey, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, I hear music in the background. And uh, why am I so confused? You ever have one of those days, IG? Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, you, you think you're on track, but you're kind of not on track, but you're... But all in all, it was kind of a good day. You know, a lot of yeah, good things happened. Yeah, it's called happened. being human, Rob. Yeah, yeah. You know, so every once in a while, I uh, I get confused. <laughs> Join the club. Join the club. But anyway, okay. So, uh, what am I? Where am I going here? Okay. So, but obviously, we got. Um, we're, we're talking about. We moved on past the airlines now. Do we? Do we actually do that? We just landed. <laughs> yeah, how about landed. that? Are we on our way to baggage claim? <laughs> I think so. And then we go down the escalator there at TIA. Well, I will say this though: TIA is a pretty nice. Since we're on the subject about airplanes, might as well yeah, just continue well. for a while. Sure. Okay, but TIA is a nice airport. Now, when I was up at O'Hare, and every time I see O'Hare, you know what comes to my mind? That little stupid little cartoon, a little storyline, the tortoise and the hare, O'Hare. I don't know why I can't get that out of my mind. Um, uh, because O'Hare Airport, and I've been going there since I was a kid because my relatives live in Chicago, but it was like way out in the middle of nowhere. It was kind of like out in the boondocks mm-hmm. a little bit, but now it's like everything's grown up, and the area right in the immediate area is called Rosemont. And uh, so it's kind of a nice upscale kind of area, trendy. You know, you got hotels and uh, office buildings and, and all that, and the convention centers right there. The... Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember the name of it, but it's the something, um, whatchamacallit. And, uh, and while we're on the subject of cars and the convention, uh, let's go right to a FLA car show minute. Because if you want to find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, because they cover the state of Florida, only the state of Florida, whether you're in North Florida, South Florida, East Florida, or West Florida, definitely go visit floridacarshows.com or flatocarshows.com. In fact, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see that I always tag them. And uh, so that's Tara and her her friends over there in Orlando, because that's where FLA Car Shows is based out of. Um, speaking of landing and takeoffs, tomorrow you're going to the East Coast to, and I may tag along, you're going to watch, it's not a SpaceX, is it? Yes, it's SpaceX. Oh, is Elon Musk going to be strapped to the hood of that thing with that goofy little cyber truck thing? No, I better not go there. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so it's a uh, it's a it's a yeah. They're going to have a launch tomorrow, about okay. uh, almost one o'clock, about twelve fifty p.m. Mm-hmm. And uh, leaving early in the morning, get over there to Port Canaveral and get set up for the for the launch. Now you've been there before. Have you seen launches before? Yes. Okay. So what are they like? Give us kind of like a play by play. I've never been there. I've never seen one up close. I've seen them like from over here. You could see them. Once yeah, in a while but you're still it. several miles away. You get, try to get as close as you can. Uh, and all of a sudden, you see this thing just sitting on a launch pad, and all of a sudden, it starts to take off. You feel the rumble, and you uh, you actually hear this thing break the sound barrier, and uh, the rumble just shakes the glass around in the buildings. So the proximity that you're at, can you actually see the rocket on the oh, ground? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, really? Oh, yes. So how far away would you say you are? Uh, I mean, you're a few miles away, probably two to three miles away. Okay. And you can feel all that, the complete sensation. Mm-hmm. You Makes sure you can. just want to jump on board and, you know, do one of those uh, Wiley Coyote things where you, and Bugs Bunny and, <laughs> and, Bugs Bunny, and, yeah, and Roadrunner. You know, and Roadrunner, all that stuff. You know, <laughs> all wind up, beep, beep. <laughs> beep, beep. Yeah, that's it. No, that's kind of cool. So, uh, that's interesting. Um, I'm glad that the space program is going on. I think it's amazing. The one thing I like about all this stuff, really, you know, all kidding aside, is the technology that comes out of it. And the technology that uh, that benefits everybody, you know, as long as they stay on the right path, you know. And um, but you know, the technology has come out of the, the aerospace industry, the um, rocket industry, if you will, if you want to use that. 
and uh, you know, because aerospace is basically airplanes and stuff like that. But the the um, what's the word I'm trying to think of for the rockets? Not rocket industry. What do you call it? And that's like we say, it's not rocket science, <laughs> but it is rocket science. And uh, you is know, it, is it echoing in here or is it my headphones? I'm not sure. Something's going. <laughs> Tommy's in there laughing. And he go, well, I don't know. Let me check it. That uh, sounds okay to me. Anyway, um, let's see. Uh, it's just you, those voices in your head. The voices in my head. Okay, now that would be, see, if we were really on the ball here, we could play that one song from uh, Russ Ballard that they played on Miami Vice all time, Voices. Because I hear, and then there's a couple, yeah. yeah, then there's a couple other clips from some of those strange movies, you know, hey, Voices in My Head, little, you know, okay. I don't know where we're going with it, but see, this is this is the beauty of radio. Radio, we just kind of come in here and we wing it. I mean, when we do the interviews, the interviews are totally focused. But at the beginning of the show, half the time, I don't even know what I'm going to do until I'm standing there at the door, sitting down. I'm going, well, let's see. Okay, unless i got something specific I want to talk about, you know, because I traveled. But Spirit Airlines, on the other hand, <laughs> they suck. Okay. Tell us how you really feel, Rob. <laughs> yeah, don't hold back, That's Rob. a flying bus, and the, and, the, and the staff that's on that thing, just sky waitresses. Oh. They're not even good sky waitresses, you know, because, well, anyway, let's not go there. Um, all right, so you're going to see a launch tomorrow, and it's going to be a SpaceX, and they're taking cargo up to the uh, space station, right? That's what the whole deal is about? Uh, I think actually, they're going to supposed to be launching some of their own satellites. And uh, what was unique about uh, one of the things that they've come up with, all the nose cones on those rockets, yeah. each one is about $5 million bucks. So oh. when that thing goes down in the ocean, they've been losing them. So Elon Musk came up with an idea... And no got, way. He actually came up with an idea. More than one. No way. More but at least one. it's not, as long as it's not a four wheels and it doesn't go down a regular highway, we're good. Yes, there you go. He's got the rock, rocket thing down. I think he's got that pretty yeah. well. So he should stay with that. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay out of the car business. <laughs> hope there's none of that unbreakable glass on there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah really. Yeah, yeah, Look yeah, out. Yeah. 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 Where's the sledgehammer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So anyway, before I rudely interrupted That's you. That's not all quite all right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you got this big flat bottom boat. It's got a huge net on it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they've got parachutes on these things, so he's able to actually capture these nose cones uh -huh. to save five million bucks. Makes perfectly good sense. That's I good economics. So. Why not? Uh -huh. Why not? Okay. So well, hopefully we'll see one of those tomorrow, too. All right. So, uh, it, it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, race fans, rocket fans, you know, everybody, um, if I am fortunate enough to get over there tomorrow, I will be taking some pictures if my phone holds up. And then we'll be posting those on Facebook, so you can actually see what uh, what that looks like. Because you know, there's a good possibility we want yeah. people to get up up close and personal. But you know what I need to do? I need to see if we can get in there with media credentials sometime. Hey, see if we can get in a little bit closer. We got to do that. Anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo here, and we're going to play another song, and we're going to have our guests come on. So uh, let's see. I forgot the song I picked out. What is this song? Boy, that's Daylight Stranger. I can't even think of the band, but it's a cool song. Gary Puckett. Oh, jeez. Refresh my memory. I'll tell you what. You know, Gary Puckett has uh, got an amazing voice, but I'll tell you what. He started out as a as a, uh, as a a rock and roll singer. Then he eventually, you know, with his voice, they, they kind of directed him to do, like, these ballads and stuff like that. And uh, just, just an amazing entertainer. We've seen him at uh, Ruth Eckert a number of times over the years. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be our very special guest for the evening. So, uh... Stick around here. You tune into Nostalgic Getting Cars. We'll be right back. For a while, just be my lover with the darkness as our cover so that she may lie. 
mistake Working tables in my hand One day I'll soon awaken Straight of sunlight in your eyes Without the threat of danger So dirty skin and meet me Later daylight stranger May 1909, John Fane. John Fane stops at nothing. Bank robberies, train robberies, and killing. Fane and his gang raided the McCandles ranch and kidnapped little Jake McCandles. They held him for one million dollars in ransom. They weren't afraid of the army, and they weren't afraid of the Texas Rangers. And they thought his grandfather, Big Jake McCandles, was dead. He wasn't. It took a million dollar kidnapping to bring Big Jake back home to his family, to his son, James. Good morning, Daddy. Daddy? Daddy. Daddy. Son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. His son, Michael. You hurt? No. And to his wife, Martha. I was wrong. You haven't changed, have you, Jacob McCandles? Not one bit. Big Jake took his two sons, a half-blind Apache and a wild dog, deep into Mexico. One way or another, they had to pay off John Fane and his gang. You got to deliver that box to us. You got to put it right in our hands. Somebody takes that box away from you. We won't be understanding. We won't wait. We won't try again. I'll just send that boy's body back to you in a basket. You understand? Every cutthroat killer, every two-bit thief, tried getting that red box. Instead, they got Big Jake and his two sons. There's a little eight-year-old boy somewhere out there, scared and lonely and probably wondering what's happened to his world. We came here to find him and take him home, alive if possible. Now you understand. Anything goes wrong, anything at all. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. It don't matter. I'm gonna blow your head off. It's as simple as that. So one night in May, Big Jake McCandles had a final showdown with John Fane and his gang. Who are you? Jacob McCandle. I thought you was dead. Not hardly. Hi, this is Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers, and you are rocking with Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is at, uh, probably one of the most legendary 60s voices. He's the lead singer for the hit musical group Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Gary Puckett. Gary, how you doing? I'm doing terrific. How are you tonight? Very good. Well, first off, I want to tell everybody that you are actually uh, kind of a hometown boy now, right? You're uh, you live here in the, in the Clearwater area. I do, right on Clearwater Beach. We're looking at the water. Yeah, on Clearwater. Uh, I envy you, Clearwater Beach. I'll be darned. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we lived up in Landsbrook for about um, well, I don't know, eighteen years, something like that. And we built the property out. Uh, it was real. Um, real landscapes and um, my wife was real particular about how things were trimmed and planted and how you know all that so uh, we were doing it all except for the the uh the grass 
and the trimming. And uh, we, Florida, as you know, has terrible grass. <laughs> so we, I kept deleting grass until we, you know, I mean, finally I just said, I'm through working in this yard because as trees died and things happened, I just said, well, it's just too much. So anyway, we moved to the beach, and I'm loving every minute of it. Wow. So the only thing you have to worry about now is uh, raking the sand once in a while, right? Well, you know what? There's somebody that actually does that. I got to wash the windows and you know things of that nature. But uh, I'm I'm not going to complain because this is a wonderful place to be. Well, now let me ask you this. So you're originally from Minnesota. So you're kind of like a a snow person, I would say. You come from almost the Great White North. So what uh, what did you what lured you to Clearwater? Well, you know uh, the girl. Actually, <laughs> the girl, okay. like the ones yeah, in the but, like the ones in the song, right? Yeah, actually, uh, very much like that. Um, well, uh, you know, I I met Lori and um, we 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 hit it off, and we had a house in San Diego, and we had her place here in uh, Florida, and we kept going back and forth, and 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 finally we just said well wait a minute this is a little too much because you never know what house the the um you know the overcoat is in or whatever it is so finally we just said we're we're driving around back here in clearwater uh in um i think it was 1999 and um i looked and i saw how much cheaper gas was for instance and she <laughs> said well let me just tell you how much cheaper life is in Florida. So uh, when I found out that I could escape California taxes and uh, political problems, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's make our way to Florida, which we did, and we've lived here since 2000. Excellent, excellent. Well, I would say welcome yeah. to the neighborhood, but you've been here since 2000. So that's almost 20 years. <laughs> I don't mind another welcome to the neighborhood. It's a great place to be, and I'm real proud to be here. Well, oddly enough, I'm originally from California myself. I'm from Northern Cal, and uh, mm-hmm. we moved here in 1971. And uh, wow. so, and it was really weird. Just, you know, for years, I always wanted to go back, but I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that, yeah, Florida's probably not a bad place. And in fact, my parents were in the motel business, so we actually had a motel in Clearwater Beach, so... That's uh, a yeah. sweet spot in my heart there for Clearwater Beach. Yeah, you bet. Well, if you can get used to the humidity, which um, <laughs> I don't really mind so much, you know, it's really a wonderful place to be. Well, Gary, take us a little bit uh, back a few years to, like, uh, when you first became interested in in music. Now, I know you're a guitar player. I'm also a guitar player, but not a very good one, not as good as you are. But um, t- <laughs> So we can talk about music. I try every day, but you know what? It's, it's an ongoing process. But uh, how, how did uh, were you like a lot of us uh, influenced by other musicians and rock stars and well you know and and people that played musical instruments back in the day and and if so who were there some of those people? Well, I wasn't so much. Um, what what is how do I want to put it? It wasn't like I wanted to be like anybody. I just loved the music of my era growing up. Mm-hmm. I loved everybody from. I mean, Elvis was the first one that that really grabbed my heart, you know, by his look and his manner and his style, and certainly the songs and the records, the recordings, you know. Um, I was at that impressionable age. Elvis was so eight years, eight, nine years older than me, so he was, uh, you know, I, uh, he was a teenager or in his early 20s, and he was making inroads into the music world and all that, and I was just enthralled by it all. I loved it. And of course, that extended to the coasters and the platters and, um, 
Little Richard and and um, the Everly Brothers and uh, you know just every other artist that was really considered rock and roll or R and B and the music just captivated me you know so um, I I I tried to be a part of it you know and um, the first thing I one of the first movies I saw about rock and roll was the blackboard jungle and of course that impressed me incredibly you know the you know the cat with the crazy curl uh you know one two three o'clock four o'clock rock you know that kind of stuff and the guys in the film dancing together you know and i mean i just found that to be really outside the box for me you know but it was so hip and cool you know that it just dragged me right into that whole thing. So, uh, and my my parents were both music musicians, oh. uh, and they were both singers. As a matter of fact, that's how they met when they were in high school, and went on to be in a a big band called the Dick Halverson Big Band, and that was the early forties. Um, and they found out that uh, you know the music business was very very tough in those days uh, because tour buses were not. The kind of tour buses that we had, um, you know, in our day, and particularly not now, you know, I mean, just wonderful vehicles that allow you to just live your life comfortably and, and calmly, you know. So uh, back then, tour buses were drafty and, and um, uncomfortable, and, and, you know, they didn't have bathrooms and kitchens and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. So they uh, ultimately, though they loved the music, my mother was a um, a fabulous, uh, very talented pianist, and she had a beautiful singing voice. My dad was a saxophonist, and he had a great singing voice as well. I was lucky to inherit the qualities, you know, of their voices together. And they, they, they brought music into real life for them, and real life for them was my dad getting a job with the Allied Corporation, not the movers, the merchandisers. And, um, um, you know, at a very early age, uh, we moved out to Washington State. Um, <clears throat> I was only about six years old by the time we got there, but my dad had been hired by the Allied Corporation and worked his way up the corporate ladder, you know. But Mom continued to play, and there was a piano in the house every day. She'd play for a couple of hours. So that was her passion. Um, her family was her life, but her music was her passion. And she had stacks and stacks of sheet music and books and all the, you know, of the big band era and all that. And um, every day played, and there was always music in the house. Every once in a while, my dad would drag out a saxophone and play, you know, and she would play. And, and I would sit back and just watch and, and sort of absorb the whole thing. And they sat me at a piano when I was six and seven years old and said, you're going to learn how to play the piano. And I was a typical six-year-old. You know, I would have rather been out in the backyard outside the fence chasing garter snakes and, you know, <laughs> two of the things that, that boys do, you know. Yeah. But um, they persisted with me, and uh, I learned to play a bit of piano. But when I was 15... I found um, an old Spanish guitar in my grandparents' attic back in Minnesota, and uh, it had five strings. One of the strings was missing. It was the high E, so I was able to plunk out honky-tonk on the bottom strings, and that sort of started the romance, because I always thought that guitar was 
much more romantic than this great big piece of furniture called a piano. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So, uh, but I love Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, I love the piano in that 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 sense. Fats Domino. You know, people like that who played the piano, and um, you know, so I sort of kept with it, though I wasn't that enthusiastic about studying. I wish that I had been more enthusiastic because today I have three guys in the band that that all play and write and read and are accomplished and graduated from schools of music, and I feel kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, they, they sort of pull me up to their level if they can, and I try every day to learn something new about extended chords and all that kind of stuff. So in the last few years, I've been kind of learning how to play the the music of the era, you know, the big band era and all that kind of stuff. So it's cool, and I enjoy it, but uh, I've been rambling on. Ask me a question, because I don't know where I'm going anymore. Okay, well, no, 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 no that's good. So um, uh, when you first started playing guitars, what type of, because I played a song a little uh, just before you came on, and it was called Daylight Stranger. And I know that when you first started singing, way back when I was reading that you really kind of started out in a rock and roll band, but then somehow your voice, and I guess some of the original people that you worked with thought that you, your voice was more ballad-oriented, so they, you started singing a lot of songs, you know, like Young Girl and Woman, Woman and stuff like that, which were great songs, by the way. In fact, I think the first time I heard um, Young Girl, I was in the Bahamas in 1967, and we were on vacation down there, or 68, whenever it was, it's somewhere in that era. And uh, yeah, I never forgot that song. That just, in your voice, and that, I mean, I went out and bought the record. I still have, and I'm going to have to have you autograph it. I got the little 45 with the sleeve. <laughs> and it shows, and it's a white, yeah. So I bought that when I was a kid, when I, I ended up in Europe. I, that's a long story for another story, for another show. But anyways, <laughs> but I traveled around a little bit. And, um, but I was just always, you know, mesmerized by your your, your songs, your music, um, your voice. I mean, and I've seen you at concert a couple times here at Ruth Eckert. And I know that this weekend, no, next weekend, on the 14th, you'll be there again, right? I will, yes. I'll be there with, uh, with Bowser's Rock and Roll Christmas Party. So, uh. I think we also have Peter Noon and Hermit Hermit, and I believe um, Mark Lindsay from um, Paul Revere and the Raiders will be there, as well as some others, I'm sure, but I don't know who they are. Probably Johnny Contardo, who is also from Shanana. Um, it's a very entertaining show. We just did a cruise with uh, Rocky and the Rollers, and of course, Bowser is on with... Uh, Johnny Contardo, and he brings his band, the Stingrays, and everybody does their show. I was on uh, with my band, Peggy March, um, um, Dennis Tefano, uh, lead singer of the Buckinghams. Who else was on? The uh, Capris, uh, the Crystals, uh, Lala Brooks. Very entertaining crews, music every night, dance parties and things like that, and and um, Bowser does a very entertaining show, and he gets people up on stage. And, you know, he's got the hula hoops and the kids up there and the old ladies up there, and they're all hula hooping and have a good time. So it uh, takes me back to that era for sure. Let me ask you this. So um, back to my question. And so when you first started out in music, so you were kind of more like a rock and roll kind of guy? I mean, you were kind of, were you getting into the early 60s style music, the American style? Um and then, well, let me just say that I, I was in a band that, I mean, I, I was a rock and roller at heart. Yes. Okay. Um, and I loved the rock music of our era, no matter what it was. I okay. mean, Little Richard is about as rock and roll as you can get, you know. Um, 
And I thought that people like Pat Boone were sort of milk toast, though in that era, as you know, you know, the black artists were able to have hit records but give the same song to Pat Boone, and he had the huge hit record with it. And I'm not really sure why that happened, but I always appreciated more um, the, the black artist's version rather than the white artist's version, usually, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, I, I've always been a rock and roller at heart. But the thing is that when I finally got to the point of recording, I had found a guy by the name of Jerry Fuller, who is an extremely talented musician, um, singer, songwriter, and he had had some local success in Texas where he lived, uh, had a recording deal, um, had written a couple of songs, and uh, I forget the names of them, but he had, like I say, his own uh, recording success as an artist. And then he moved to L.A. to seek his fame and fortune and ended up at Columbia Records um, as a producer. And they put him in charge of writing songs, finding songs, finding artists, and producing hit material, you know, for the label. And when I found him, um, he basically had no responsibility yet because he had just arrived at the label. And I walked into his office with my portfolio in hand, and he was hanging a gold record up on his wall. <laughs> so I, I said, excuse me, and he turned around, he looked at me, he said, hey, come on in, you know, and I said, what are you doing? He said, hanging up a gold record, and I said, a gold record? I said, I've never seen one of those, can I see that up real close? And he said, sure, come on. So I walked up to it as he hung it up on the wall, and it was Ricky Nelson's Traveling Man. Oh wow! And I said, "Oh my gosh, uh, this is incredible! You you pr- you wrote that? You produced that?" He says, "I wrote it actually for Sam Cooke, but um, Sam and his people didn't like it or didn't want it, and Ricky Nelson's people were walking by as they were playing it, and they said, if Sam doesn't want that, can we take it?' And um, so Ricky recorded it, as you remember, and it sold four million copies. So that was really kind of Jerry's launching into the music business and then he got involved with the knickerbockers i i think he might have written i know he produced lies which was a great record i I thought it was the beatles when i first heard it um and uh anyway jerry was the guy that was really kind of um the rudder if that's a good word for it that steered my ship into the ballad area because he heard my voice and he said I know what to do with that. You know, I know how to do this. So uh, he um, he came to see the band down in San Diego where we were working, and he walked up to the stage around midnight, actually, <clears throat> the night before he said he would be there. And I, I kind of looked at him and almost didn't recognize him, and I was sort of cruising through the evening, letting the band, you know, sing a lot of the stuff so that I didn't blow my voice out for the next night. Because as you may remember, when you worked uh, six nights a week in a nightclub, you know, you were working nine to two, and it was four sets. And, um, you know, you could get uh, tired out. And So anyway, he walked up, and um, I looked at him, and he, he went, hey, and I said, you're supposed to be here tomorrow. And he said, yeah, I thought I'd uh, see if I could take you off guard. I said, you sure did. He said, well, let's go make a record. So this club was in a bowling alley. 
and and he went back to L.A. and came back about six weeks later, and we sat in a booth in the bowling alley to sign our recording contract. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And what was your first big hit? It was Woman, Woman, wasn't it? Woman, Woman was the first one. He already had that in his hands. Okay. Um, it was a song that he had discovered uh, was recorded by Tom Paul and the Glazer Brothers, and um, they had recorded it in a very country mode. Um, it, it, it was still a good song. It didn't have the pop quality that we gave it, um, but Jerry heard it as a hit song, and he said, listen to this record, but don't pay attention too much to some of that lyric. It kind of went, woman, woman, have you got cheating on your mind, you know? And so we put that line in, woman, you know, that one. So um, he knew it was a hit. Uh, he produced it as such, and uh, um, I fought with the record company, to be honest with you, because there were about 400 records every month going out to the radio stations, and as you remember, um, 45 records just had a sleeve, and most of them were a plain sleeve, brown, black, um, uh, white, you know, and I said, everybody's wearing the same stuff. How do the program directors or disc jockeys choose from those 400 records? They got to thumb through them somehow and flip through, and when they see a name they recognize, they might, you know, audition that. So I said, I've got to have a visual identity and I've got to have a picture on that record because if we're lucky enough to get a great record, I want somebody to look at the picture on that record and say, great photo, what's this What's this record sound like? And that's exactly what happened. We put a picture that was taken in a school that had been demolished by the wrecking ball. And the only thing that was standing was the stage and everything was knocked down around it. And it looked very authentic, like it could have been during the Civil War days. And we, we put, the, uh, we put the, um, uh, the photo in sepia tone, you know, that old brown tone. Uh -huh. And um, it was very authentic looking. So there was a guy in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Bob Harrington was his name. Uh, he recently died in the last year or two, but he was a Civil War historian. And uh, he looked at that picture and he said, this has got to be a great record. That's one fantastic photo. So he auditioned it, loved it, put it on its station, and it went to number one. So that's when the people in Cleveland at the... Columbia uh, regional office saw that activity because, you know, they serviced uh, Columbus from Cleveland, and they, they called me in San Diego, and they said, you have a hit record in Columbus, Ohio, and we want to bring you to Cleveland to promote this record in the Ohio area, and we can make it a hit. So I said, let's go. And they, uh, they brought us to Cleveland, put us to work in a club that was in the basement of the Sheridan Hotel. It was called Otto's Grotto. And we worked there at night, and in the daytime, I would go out with them and shake hands and chat up our new record. And um, that's where it caught on. We saw it jump onto the charts at, I don't know, 89 or something like that with the Red Star, and they called it a bullet. So that was the beginning, and off we went. And since then, you had, at the time, I think between 68 and 70, you had like six gold records? We did. Um, 68, they say that we sold more records 
than any other artist, and they always add, including the Beatles. I don't know if I believe that myself, but um, I always tell people that the Beatles were just having a bad year. <laughs> and of course, I'm a humongous Beatles fan, so, uh, you know, in 68, I know they were having difficulties for whatever reason, but I don't think that, st- that stopped the fans from buying their albums in particular. What Did you do any writing, any songwriting of your own? Oh, yeah. Um, I wrote a lot of songs with Jerry. Um, many of them appeared on the flip side. So we actually wrote some other things that were recorded by other artists. Um, one in particular that ended up on one of the, uh, I think it's on the, hmm, which album would it be? It'd be on the Woman Woman album. It's called um, uh, the, uh, the Pleasure of You, and it was recorded by a guy by the name of Jack Jack Bedient and the Chessmen. Uh, Jerry produced it, and they thought it was going to be a big hit single, but uh, turns out that um, Jack was a little too too much like me, I guess, vocally. So um, people said, "Well, no room for Jack when you've got Gary and you've got you've got BJ and you've got <laughs> David Clayton and uh, you know Johnny Mathis and a few others." So uh, it didn't make it. But yes, I did a lot of songwriting. Um, some of it appeared on the third album, which was called Incredible, and a lot of the B-sides. But uh, So, yeah, I just didn't get lucky enough to write any of the A-sides. Did the, so the, the band, you guys kind of like split up like around 70, 71 or something like that. So between that time, 67 to 71, how many albums did you write? I mean, how many albums did you, did you actually produce? Or Well, I... Uh, hmm. I think we had about six albums, and of mm-hmm. course, then they started the greatest hits stuff. Um, so, and there's been a lot of repackaging, and um, then when, when CDs came along, uh, CBS, Sony, as they became, um, did an initially initial release of 100 albums that became CDs, and uh, our greatest hits was among the top sellers of those and continues to be, I guess it's a very, very difficult to find anymore, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, it, it was a big success. Um, we got a few minutes left. Your, uh, you had a Christmas CD out a few years back. Tell us about that real quick. I did. Well, you know, I just decided that I, the time that I got something done in that regard and, uh, a fellow by the name of Richard Kalachi, who has been musical director for the likes of, uh, People like, um, oh, uh, <laughs> it's funny how people's names can slip my mind in the moment. Uh, <laughs> hey, it happens to me too. You know, four seasons, four seasons, people like that, you know, Frankie Valley uh, and others. And uh, Rich took the helm of that one, and uh, we chose a bunch of songs, and he did a bunch of recording, and we went to LA and did the vocals. It's kind of a simple sort of jazz-oriented album, but uh, nicely done. Interestingly enough, a few years ago, somehow, a few boxes of those ended up here at the studio, so I grabbed a slew of them, and I was handing them out to a lot of my customers and listeners. What do you think of that? 
Cool. Well, thank so, you. I appreciate that. That's nice. I hope they enjoyed it. They did. Everybody did. And uh, but what is what I what I'd like to do sometime? I and mean, we only got a few minutes left. Is I definitely like to uh, since you're a local resident here, is love, love to have you come in the studio sometime and hang out with us, and we'll do a live show and we can talk about some other stuff. But I do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the uh, this this event coming up this weekend, if you want, and then uh, you know if you want to talk about some of the other tour dates that you got going on and give out some of that information. Well, okay, let's see. The 14th is going to be a lot of fun. I hope everybody will come and, and join us. I'm going to grab my calendar here off of the... Uh, um, anyway, the 14th will be fun. Um, Peter Noon, Hermes Hermit, uh, Bowser from Shauna, Na, myself, uh, Mark Lindsay from, from Paul Revere and the Raiders, uh, probably some others that's going to be a christmas rock and roll party and it's at one of the best venues in all of the u.s it's called ruth eckard hall and i love that venue there's not a bad seat in the house and uh you know you can see everybody there from the bb kings of the world though he's gone you know the donna summers of the world though she's gone um you know the contemporary artists and acts of the day and the tours of the day so that's what we're going to do on the 14th, and looking forward to it. Uh, all my boys come from three different states. One's from Austin, Texas. One from Las Vegas, Nevada. And one's from a little town called Cordova, South Carolina. And they're all going to converge here, and we'll uh, do the show. And then as uh, time goes on, um, we will uh, see on the 21st, we're going to do our Christmas show. Actually, before that, on the 6th, we're going to do... A place up in, um, where is it, uh, St. Croix, uh, Croix Casino in Turtle Lake, Minnesota. We're going to do our Christmas show up there. Um, and then uh, Dania Beach, Florida, at the uh, Dania Beach Casino. We're going to do our Christmas show there. And then in, let's see, when is it, January, we go to uh, the uh, Golden Nugget in St. Charles, Louisiana. Then on the 10th, we go to the uh, Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, and then to the Genesee Theater the next day in Waukegan, Illinois. Um, uh, then we will we'll, we'll just, you know, start out. My uh, fingers are messing with my calendar here. <laughs> we're going to go, we're going to do the Orange Blossom Opry, which is in, uh, where in the heck is that? Weirs, Weirsdale, Florida, and... Uh, then we go to Manitowoc, Wisconsin, Wausau, Wisconsin. We are going to do a cruise with uh, two cruises with Rocky and the Rollers. Again, uh, February 16 through 23 and 23 through 29 or, yeah, something like that. Well, you... And then uh, we're off and about. We'll be in Texas for a couple things, the Arlington Theater, something for the Wounded Warriors, um, you know. You sounds you like go. you, you got a you got a busy schedule. Now, I got to ask you this real quick: Are you flying or are you taking a motor home? Uh, we always fly through the, the distances. When we can drive, we do. But we'll we'll fly into say Cleveland. We'll pick up a minivan, and the four of us get in the minivan, and uh, we'll drive to the next day. We do that oftentimes, but. Nope, we fly. That's good. I don't have a tour bus. <laughs> well, Gary, I want to thank you very, very much. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other questions. I had a list of stuff, and uh, I, <laughs> and um, but uh, we certainly love to have you come in the studio. Um, with a little luck, I 
might be at that uh, that that event next weekend, and uh, look forward to seeing you there because I know you're a great performer. You've done, you know, in the past that I've seen you, you've done some. You're just you're just a class act entertainer. That's all I can tell you. you come out there on stage. Well, the I way appreciate you do. that. And and the the songs you do you 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 keep it. You keep the songs and the music the way I remember them when I was growing up, and that's what everybody likes about it. You don't deviate from them; they're just really authentic. And and uh, I just wanted to say uh, you do a great job. And uh, again, I want to thank you very much for coming on our show here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tell us a little bit about what uh, your past and your future and what you got going on and your tour dates. And uh, I wish you the best of luck. And Merry Christmas well, to you, by the way, and Happy New Year. Well, thank you, thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate it. I'm I'm happy that the fans are still with me. And we're going to stay traditional as long as we can. <laughs> Merry Super. Christmas to you. You've got my phone number and my email. So uh, get in touch, and I'll come into the studio sometime soon. Look forward to it. All right. In the meantime, thank you very much, and uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your concerts. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Reading Card this evening. We, uh, a special thanks to Gary Puckett. And uh, just an absolutely incredible entertainer. If you get a chance, don't forget this uh, next weekend, December 14th at the Ruth Eckert Hall. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to tune in here every Tuesday night and uh, for the 10 Talk Radio Network and listen to uh, the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.